Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm your host, JJ Walsh, here in Hiroshima, and I have the pleasure once again of talking with organic no-till farmer in Mukaishima in Hiroshima, Thomas Kleffer. Thank you so much for joining. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. It's、yeah. great to have you. And actually, I visited your farm the other day、yep. and I took some video and I was planning to put together a video and I was like, I should just have Thomas on the show again to get it straight from you all about、mm. your exciting updates. There's a lot going on right now. Right. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's、uh, kind of spring transitioning into summertime. So, yeah, the farm is always、um, seems busy、uh, this time of year. It's an exciting time of year. So, yeah. yeah. And when I talk to other farmers around different parts of Japan, it sounds like they take the winter off, but you really haven't had a break at all, right?、Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to. I mean, we, we, we are a little bit warmer climate. We do have one greenhouse on the farm. And so we just try to keep things going. We have several projects going on as well. So we stay pretty busy with that. And、uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to take the time off. I, I might prefer to take a few weeks off in summer if I can, because it's just, it's usually so hot. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the changes that I saw when I visited your farm. This time, it seems like you're planting more trees, trying to have that combination of like a food forest. Is that right? right? Absolutely. Yeah, the food forest、uh, model, it can be, really be scaled up. Um, and so that's what, what, kind of what we're doing. I've seen a lot of gardens that practice it, but I think one of the things that we're trying to do is combine and interplant a lot and really stack the functions of the farm because、uh, there's so much space still available on the farm. And there's a lot of farmers who talk about that. I know Joel Salatin、uh, from the States, he mentions is that it's just stacking functions and finding space to grow more. Things because、um, surprisingly,、uh, you can fit a lot in a small amount of land, right? Yeah, and I talked to podcaster and、uh, food forest gardener、uh, Bean Pod, and he's doing the same thing. He designed his garden to have lots of trees and plants at the same time. I think it just, especially with the summers getting hotter and hotter, it seems like、mm. it makes a lot of sense, right? Right, yeah, providing just more shade. Uh, for your understory crops, it, makes so, it does make so much sense. And because we're doing the no till style of farming,、um, we don't really need to bring in big machines and, and we can't bring a tractor because we're on this、uh, sloped hillside. So if we can add stuff in between or on the understory of some of these trees while the trees are growing,、uh, I think this can be really great. And some of those might even provide nutrients for the trees. Um, like some of the nitrogen fixing plants that we have, like beans and peas、uh, that are growing. So, the more we can do that, I think,、um, and especially while you're waiting、uh, for those trees to actually provide an income、uh, as a farmer,、um, who's, you know, that's another really important part of our farm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm showing your website right now.、Great. I just give people an idea of the beautiful view from your farm. Now,、right. like many farms around Japan, They're quite steep on the hillside, right?、Uh, right? You said that's both good and bad for growing food. Is that right? I, I mean, I think it provides、uh, some additional challenges,、uh, especially you know, at scale. 
um, we're a pretty small farm actually by a lot of standards. Um, and it, it does make it more challenging, but for the citrus, uh, being on the slopes is good to have a well-drained soil. Uh, and it's also, um, maybe some people say that the shiokaze, so the, the actual, uh, s salty, uh, wa uh, winds that you would get off the sea breeze is maybe good for the citrus, um, in a lot of ways. So we really, um, we really take advantage of that. And previously our farm was a citrus orchard. So we want to stick with what's been known to grow in the region. Um, so that I think that's something we're trying to take advantage of. But it does make for a lot more uh, labor-intensive work. Um, we can't just bring in the tractor uh, and till something under or till something into the soil um, when it's finished. And we can't really bring in larger machinery. So a lot of it's done by hand. Um, but that's why we've tried to take advantage of using this this no-till approach or no-till technique in the in the farm. Yeah, I found an old picture, and it looked like you were using a tiller. And you did say that when the soil is really compacted, mm -hmm. um, you do sometimes till it up a little bit, right? Because it's like the same action that a inushishi or boar or an animal might do, right? Which is nature's way of of tilling the soil. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we we might we might bring in the tiller, especially in the first uh, the first time, or even when we have um, this th that the tool that's actually there. That's not a, a tiller. That's a, a wheel hoe, actually. So what that allows me to do is hill up. And that's actually part of the no-till process. It's a tool I brought over from the States several years ago, and it really fits in with our no-till uh, style. Um, so not really flipping the soil over. But occasionally I've used the rototiller uh, in the past, and especially when I first started on this hillside, there were some places where the slope was a bit too steep. So instead of ru running the tiller uh, across the hill, um, I kind of ran it up and down the hill and pulled onto the till, uh, the tiller and actually pulled the soil uh, to create more of a terrace, which, you know, normally you might dig or do by hand, or you might do with a large excavator. But we were actually able to uh, do that, um, just the topsoil anyway, to smooth out some of the uh, hill. Um, and we, we, we've still kind of done that in, in places where I find the soil to just be a bit too um, hard or um, uh, ha that's had some impact, especially we, we raise sheep. So they, they often will um, sit or walk around some areas more than others. And so because of that, it's good to kind of go through and till uh, up where they've been to, just to loosen the soil in the beginning. But we have such a small rototiller. It's something that's actually available at uh, the home, home centers here. And they really don't actually even till that deep. So it's, it's another thing that's kind of good about the process we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just for just to remind people, uh, no-till and organic farming, uh, just give people a brief explanation of, of what kind of farming you're doing. Mm, Very okay. regenerative, right? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, right now there's, I mean, there's several kind of terms that float around, um, and especially here in Japan as well, there's so many terms that uh, might be you know, considered natural farming or no-till farming or organic farming, as you said. So organic farming, um, although we're not certified organic, uh, we do not use herbicides or pesticides or fungicides on the farm. 
Um, so that might uh, be considered organic in, in terms of what's allowed. But there are certain pesticides and fungicides that may be allowed under certain organic certification. And that depends on the country or the region um, and also the certification body. But we're actually non-certified. So maybe we might drift into this uh, regenerative agriculture or no-till agriculture. And that's uh, a lot of our beds are already pre-laid out. We kind of maintain the shape of all of our beds and we might apply uh, a little bit of compost from our animals or some uh, purchased compost on top of the bed. And then we'll take our pitchfork, which is our name, uh, Pitchfork Farms. We actually will fork the beds. And our uh, beds really haven't changed, especially in the lower part of our farm in several years. We haven't road-tilled there. And we haven't really needed to because I think the soil has just improved and softened over time because we're actually not tilling uh, the beds. We might add uh, some wood chips or some uh, wood shavings into the pathways to maintain the pathways, which is really great, and add carbon to the soil. But also that mulch will actually add more carbon to the soil too. And we might bring in uh, leaf litter or other um, uh, broken down compost that is made on the farm to improve the soil structure as well. Yeah. And I think the first time I visited your farm was 2019. So okay. it's been yeah. three years. And I yeah, think this was one of the first photos. Now, I love this photo because, of course, you look great. But behind you as well is the hill, which yeah. you have really been tackling. And yeah. getting rid of the dead wood and yeah. making it more usable, right? Yeah, it's yeah, you can actually walk through there now without getting stuck by, you know, briars and um, you know, right now I think the the nobara in Japan, so this kind of uh, wild rose is blooming right now, but you can actually walk through and, you know, without getting stuck by that or um there in and, and because that forest uh, in Japan, people have been utilizing the forest and these hillside resources for generations and generations. And so at one point, it was a citrus orchard as well, just like our farm. But what's actually come back and the, some of the plants that have come back, um, a lot of it is creating too much, uh, possibly too much shade. And it's kind of become a really dark place. So then a lot of animals can't come through there. Uh, a lot of birds can't fly through there anymore because it's overgrown. So it's really good to go in and do some clearing and yeah, uh, really lighten up the place. Yeah. So, and we've used sheep up there as well, which has been really great. Yeah, that was one thing that I did a organic yuzu farm visit. Mm. And, and he said he did, he's for hundreds of years, they've never used chemicals. Mm. Um, and their practice is always to cut the tree in a way that they get a lot of airflow. Right. And that was one of the things that you said is important about thinning the forest to get more right. airflow through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, a lot of airflow through through the forest will just, I mean, really lighten the place up. And I think it, then the next step might be to then plant or look at planting some more broadleaf uh, trees and possibly uh, some more uh, nut species. So that's what we're looking at next. And then also because they did citrus farming and if you've been to a lot of the citrus farms um here in the in these regions you'll notice that most of the citrus farms don't really have much of an understory and they're really uh, strict and serious about removing all the weed species and stuff 
but because of this area we might not necessarily consider growing a lot of citrus up there anymore um, and so there's not really a whole lot of understory as well um, like things like clovers and other grasses there's really not much that exists there now um, because they removed a lot of that and that uh, and the new weedy trees that have come up don't really provide a lot of mulch to the soil and uh, they don't really drop leaves that um, add to the nutrient density in the soil so we're really considering that as an option going forward and how to better utilize it but and right now too this there is just a lot of dead trees and a lot of um, uh, things that could be cleared and you know re re reuse so yeah yeah and one of the things that um, this is from your Facebook page mm -hmm. talking about cover crops Oh, and yeah. um, this yeah. is something you mentioned as well, uh, throwing clay seed balls in or scattering mm -hmm. seeds or letting things seed and mm -hmm. come back again next year. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, cover crops are uh, a really common practice, I think, both in organic and then in no-till farming. And, um, and especially in the regenerative farming, yeah. if you really want to build soil, some of the best ways to do it is to get a cover crop in. And a lot of farms, um, and in Japan, farms are typically pretty small. So a lot of people actually don't do a lot of cover cropping um, like we see in some of the other um, uh, countries like in the States or in maybe in Europe. So what we'll do is maybe we'll plant clover or we'll plant some nitrogen-fixing pea or uh, rye as another really great cover. And we'll try to crush that and then it'll break down eventually into the soil and really add to the carbon in the soil and it'll also absorb a lot of um, some of the carbon in the air and then release that into its roots as well and it'll stay there and so that's one way we can do that and then really just to re uh, recycle and you know take up a lot of those nutrients that are also leached out from maybe some of the compost that we've used or the fertilizers we've used on the farm those plants will actually take up some of that and then recycle that back into growing and then we can take that and put that in our compost and just get the recycling process going um, so soba is a great example i think it takes up uh, like f either phosphorus or potassium that's kind of waste into the soil and um, it absorbs some of that and we can take that and then break it down but i will say some of the cover crops can get out of hand so uh, maybe before you do a cover crop you really want to look into how to take it out of your farm right now I've actually I did soba in that same area that you just showed and I have a lot of soba that's come up as maybe a weed now in between my lettuces so it can be it could potentially be a problem but actually maybe soba and lettuce are very different in terms of the nutrients they require to grow well so I might be able to get two yields out of this one row right now. I'll be able to get uh, a soba yield, which then I can later use for another area where I wanna put a cover crop in um, because we're not growing enough soba to you know, turn it into noodles or um, pancakes or anything. But we're, you know, we don't have to then go back and buy seed again, which is really another sustainable practice, I think. But then we get this lettuce that you know, didn't really have to fight with the soba to grow well. And the, the soba's maybe also taking up some water and then sharing that with the lettuce. It's really hard to say exactly what's happening underneath the soil because we can't see. But I think there's this process that's there's a lot more sharing going on than than we think. And um, yeah, I'm I'm noticing that. 
So with this uh, this one one row right now, anyway. So that's great. I I love how you you're very much aware of how things are changing on your farm, and you're mm. adjusting and and trying things and then adjusting again. I love that style. Yeah, I th I I think the you know this kind of small scale you know organic method you're you are constantly doing experiments every single year and you're learning and then you're you know and you're making mistakes but then you're coming back through and you're figuring it, things out um you know that's what's so different i think um compared to maybe more of the industrial model where you know uh, you you you, f you have this problem you f you spray it with this and then that's it and but do you did you really learn anything in that process and you know um i, I want to try to you know, see what what we can do, what maybe where nature might actually provide some of the answers and some of the solutions as opposed to just going through and, um, you know, doing it with chemicals or doing it from an outside source. We can probably uh, avoid some of that on these small scale farms. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, we have a great uh, comment from Z. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've been farming for a decade now. I'm very familiar with all of this. Wonderful. Yeah. Great to have Great. you here. Yeah. Uh, 10 years, 10 years is, is a good, um, I mean, I, I've actually, yeah, I'm 10 years here at this farm and, uh, yeah, you learn a lot every single year and it's, uh, and that's, I think, you know, that's what experience is all, is really all about. That's, uh, the best teacher, I think. So, yeah, you know. there's, it's amazing. Like, uh, people who don't really know about organic vegetables to look at this amazing lettuce and salads that you grow and there's no like it's not destroyed by bugs like you're you're able to balance through what you're doing uh, a way to grow food without right. using chemicals right I think it's it, mind-blowing to some people right yeah and I, and I think just the the year on year I mean and by having such a diverse lineup and of crops you know one of the one of the things that's really great is that you know maybe you will have some problem with this pest or this bug this you know one season but i think um you know having not really not having all your eggs in one basket so to speak is really a, a great way to you know really sustain and maintain the farm and yeah i, th I think it's one of the one of the best ways forward um, for you know these kind of these kinds of farms, um, and and I think growing healthy plants right from the beginning, your starts, that's really where it starts from. Maybe even seeds that you're uh, purchasing, if you can, if you want to grow organic, maybe looking at organic seeds or seeds that haven't been treated with some uh, fungicide or herbicide from the beginning, and then starting to save your own seeds with in your farm. If you can start to do that, you'll have uh, a much more diverse and much more um, strong plant that's used to this region, used to this area. And I think that's another big step that we're, we've really tried to take over the last several years um, that wasn't really available when we first started out in the first year or two. So, that's, Yeah, that's, that's something I've heard Chuck Kayser say, who's a organic farmer in Shiga. Mm -hmm. And he says sometimes he just goes and sees what seeds they're selling at the DIY center because mm. then he realizes what the other farmers in the area are probably growing. Mm. And then he's like, oh, maybe I'll try that next time that or something. 
but right. there's other other vegetables that he wants, which is something that you do as well. And you're ordering in seeds from another area, just right. trying it, seeing if it works, right? Yeah, yeah. And and these days we're able to get. Uh, I've I've been able to find companies that you know are easier to work with um, that do provide like uh, really high efficient seeds. But then we're also able to get heirloom seeds uh, and a lot of older variety seeds that we can save and that we can replant on our farm and. Um, I've got you know several several plants like our fava beans, so soromame, uh, a few varieties of corn that I've been saving for several years, our peas um, that I've saved for several years, which have turned out to be really great. Um, and this is something that I think can really work uh, here in in the small scale. And I I know that. In a lot of other communities, I know that I think the UK has a really great gardening community where there's a lot of seed uh, seed saving going on, but I don't see as much of that in Japan, um, and not as much as as I would think. Um, so uh, hopefully that can start to increase and start to grow over the uh, next several years. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of seeds, the, I know you're a fan of Fukuoka Sensei, and right. you make the clay balls with the seeds in, and that's my favorite. Right story from his book how he was asking lots of primary schools around japan to save their seeds at school lunchtime right. and then he was taking those in seed balls to africa and dropping them everywhere right such yeah. an interesting it, way to it, try to grow things yeah and i mean to really uh regenerate or to green i think uh the the deserts is what was he what he claimed to to be able to do and if you look through the pictures um in one of the books that i have from the one straw revolution i have a this one copy that was gifted to me there's a lot more illustrations in it and you really do see the results and that's what um that's what we really could be doing and and maybe need to be doing a little bit more even here in japan um because um some of these, like even in the forested area, it's actually not as diverse as it really could be. And so looking at, um, that's where we've kind of started to use the clay balls and the seed balls some. Um, so we'll be doing that. I think uh, this, I usually do it around this time of every year, about April, May, um, a little bit before the rainy season. And I, I will, because we're going up into the hillside a bit more, um, it's not sometimes it's not even necessary to actually even do the clay balls just broadcasting the seeds uh, is almost as efficient and effective so i've been trying that as well um just to save some of the time involved um, have you ever you thought about using drones i heard about an american <laughs> company now using drones to replant trees in the forest yeah i've heard i've heard about that yeah right? I think, yeah I, i've considered i i would consider that like uh using the drones to because drones would also help you to scout out an area and i think there's a lot of advantages too um that could potentially be used for this this kind of newer technology sometimes i thought i've thought if i could use the drones to uh, open and close um, gates for my sheep so when i want to move the sheep around and i saw i think uh jeremy clarkson had a, this amazon prime show about him starting a farm he was the one of the um one of the, uh, uh, what is it, um, spe speakers on the show Top Gear. He was like one of the hosts, I guess, on Top Gear. And he started a farm in the UK around the lockdown time. And he tried to use a, uh, he tried to use a drone to, yeah, to move his flock of sheep. 
Um, it didn't really work very effectively. Though. It didn't work very well. Yeah, no. but it, it maybe for some of these tasks, like opening and closing gates and doors, like it's possible. And then, yeah, for planting trees or dropping different seeds would be really neat. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to try. And now, uh, drone technology has kind of come down in price a little bit. So, yeah, a little bit more possible, even as a farmer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably where a lot of the drone uh, usage is headed. And really, in terms of just mon monitoring, you know, looking at the plant health, um, this is now possible with a lot of the uh, technology and drones. And um, then I think that the, some people have argued that that could then help us to maybe limit or minimize the use of uh, the pesticides we might be using um, because you can maybe pin, pinpoint the certain type of pests in the area too and get a better understanding and idea of what's actually affecting instead of just blanketing the crops in you know the pesticide you don't necessarily need it and that would also save the farmers a lot of time and uh, effort and money so this could be a, a really great use of the technology yeah wow. i actually talked to some sustainability hackers mm. who live in chiba and they okay. were uh, using technology in a way to monitor uh, different kinds of chemicals or ingredients in the ground and in mm. the water. So it seems like technology is going that way to help in agriculture a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Exciting. It, yeah it is. It is. So... Uh, you have, speaking of exciting, uh, as you are expanding into the hillside, you are also expanding wider and yeah. taking over some abandoned buildings. Tell us about your new projects. Yeah, so we've got uh, my, our um, my father-in-law, uh, who's actually in the Tokyo area. He purchased uh, an Akia here, uh, so an uh, unused house. And uh, it actually came with the house that you've just pictured. It came with that house and that property. So th what you see there is a citrus uh, storage shed. And in the center, which that's actually no longer standing from that picture, uh, is um, an older Japanese style house that was, was there on the property. And right now you can see the citrus storage shed there on the, the right side. And then on the far left side, there's a, an older storage shed as well. And um, we're slowly trying to renovate this uh, to uh, possibly look at um, turning it into either like a Noka cafe. Um, and then my wife, uh, she has the textile company, Tachibana Tekistaro Kinkyujo. She's considering moving her uh, uh, company into the front room of the house. So we're, um, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to doing this kind of project. I think it's going to be a great opportunity. It's kind of been um, my background being in sustainable development and outdoor education uh, from um, from the states. You know, I, something I really wanted to kind of create here was this kind of living learning center where, you know, we're teaching Ishokuju really um, at its... Uh, you know, and it's the most fundamental level. So the clothing, food, shelter, bringing those three concepts together and really showing what's possible from this uh, sustainable living standpoint. It's, this has kind of been, you know, 10, 11 years in the making, I guess. And uh, we're, we're super excited about the possibilities here. Um, I this mean, her work and her textile work. And that's probably the biggest job that we want to talk about in a minute. But we have yeah. a great question from Janie mm -hmm. Ikegami, who has joined from YouTube. Thanks, Janie. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, she says, my apple trees are old and may stop producing soon. I want to transition into vegetable farming. I mm. don't want to cut down the trees. What technique would you recommend for the transition? Good question. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on how many trees and how, what the spacing is. But if you want to transition, you know, maybe some of the trees can be cut back and then looking at you know these days some of the um some of the uh municipalities also have ways to um take some of your old trees and cut them and instead of just burning them off maybe create wood chips with some of that material and then add that back into the soil and then it may it may be possible to graft some other varieties onto the trees if you still if they're still uh, healthy at the base that might be a possibility uh, i've planted a few apple trees here um and i don't think they'll ever grow uh apples because it's just not the right climate but they're flowering actually i have more flowers on my apple trees this year than in previous years so um uh, i haven't worked in, in an orchard but i think uh i think it's it's really possible and depends on your climate too uh, maybe look at cutting those trees back and then replanting some other trees in that space. And then in the understory, yeah, consider, um, maybe consider, or depending on your soil, tilling it first and then starting your vegetable rows in between the apples could be really great. Um, but I think- Using the chipper mm -hmm. and then putting the wood chips around on your farm as mulch, that was something you were talking about when we visited, right? Right, yeah, we just got a, uh, a, a chipper, um, you know, it's it's a pretty big investment, but we do have the forest area. We have a large bamboo section uh, that we want to manage, and all bamboo chips putting back into the soil um, and really building up the soil um, is one one way to do it. So yeah, we'll be using the chipper uh, a lot in the coming years, and um, I think this could be a way to yeah instead of just burning off or having something hauled off really try to recycle that back into your soil could be a really great way and yeah some municipalities they do it more for bamboo uh use but you might find in japan that it might be available for you to um rent a chipper for a low to reduce cost so you maybe want to check that out and then putting it back into the soil is something mm -hmm. you're also doing with the old house that you're taking apart yeah you're, you're reusing some of the wood and the the clay from the the yeah, so walls. those clay balls, that's what we've done previously. Um, we've taken some of the clay uh, clay balls um, that we made before, and they came from our uh, second story window. Uh, so when we put in our window, um, we, we, we did that. Um, we took the clay material and actually made those seed balls and put them back into the farm, put them back into the hillside. So well, that's what are, what's so amazing about some of these older Japanese houses is there's not a lot of stuff that you have to throw away when you're remodeling or redoing. Um, I will say that some of the, maybe the late 70s, early 80s, as you can see here, some of this is material that we did have to haul off and take out. Um, it costs money and um, it's unfortunate, but it is part of the process too. But this one house and the, especially the uh, storage shed that's in such poor shape, you know, a lot of people would look at it and say, oh, you're going to tear that down, right? And it's like, well, there's, there's still a lot that, still a lot, it's, you know, that we can use and we can do with it. And that's the building I'm talking about there. There's, you know, a lot of that is still in good shape. And 
you know, for me to uh, put a, you know, a tin roof on it and give it some more, breathe some more life into it is just one part of the uh, reduce, reuse, recycle kind of uh, mod, uh, mentality that we've got. Yeah, this is the top. We're, we're getting ready to take these uh, beams off so we can use them for another building. But it's a, um, yeah, it's a big puzzle that I am not sure of. And we took the kawara off and we're considering with the kawara uh, what to do with that. You know, we don't want to haul it off and pay money to throw it away. So maybe breaking it into smaller pieces and using it as uh, in the walkways or using it to fill um, some French drains. I know that's really common technique um, because it does rain a lot and, uh, you, and you, we can use that as well. Some people will grind it up into a powder and use it as a um, maybe a parking lot to keep uh, the parking lot from getting too muddy. So we've considered that as another option instead of pouring concrete, which is really energy intensive and um, can be quite expensive work. This is another uh, sustainable way of using the kawara again. Um, the tiles, yeah. Yeah, the tile. Yeah, the tiles. Um, we, the it must have taken ages to take the end. Quite dangerous to uh, take took off about, the No, roof. I took I took those off in about a day. Uh, it wasn't dangerous walking across. Uh, I I didn't really walk too much on top. I kind of like, uh, yeah, I kind of sat sat in the right spot and, yeah. Um, um we I had a ladder and a, and a helmet and, um. Yeah, in Japan, quite often around the old neighborhoods, you will see areas with all the tiles just stacked around, right? Right. With right, the idea right. that somebody's going to reuse it someday. Mm, so yeah, if you I, can find a way to reuse it, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, I've, you know, I've seen people will uh, make raised beds with it. I think that's one one way. I've seen people put it back into some of the building structure um maybe with some of this uh like waddle and daub or uh cob style um so i've seen some of that as well yeah nice uh jamie says she's in nagano so oh, nagano. you should you should uh, find uh heather fukase who's in yeah nagano yeah she's also there. an apple apple grower right yeah she i'm not sure she grows herself but mm -hmm. she's helping uh some of her apple growing neighbors Right. to sell seconds ones that are rejected from the supermarket right yeah yeah i think i think that can be like uh i think yeah partnering up with people in your region especially would would be the best way to go forward and maybe talk to some of the farmers around there as well what do they do to transition you know going from fruit to vegetables and you know i, I our farm because we do a combination of the two we you know we want to consider um yeah how to how to just increase our, you know, the yield on the farm and by combining fruit and veg is, is one really great way forward. Um, yeah. But I know that that area, I guess, other things that grow well would be maybe peaches and plums and um, some of the stone fruits and apples. So there's a lot of potential um, in, the, in the area. That's yeah. great. Um, I also, I've talked to another farmer in a uh, farming couple in Nagano, uh, Wendy and Rodrigo. So I'll send yeah. you their, their details after. Uh, you know them. They, they did a Mexican farm to table, Mexican food workshop for us. And it right. was so good because he was growing his own beans. Yeah, I was so Amazing. impressed by his beans. Because, um, and I think Nagano would be a great region for, for being 
uh, growing as well. You could grow several varieties because here it almost gets too hot to grow certain types. We do really well and we have done um, really well with soybeans here in the past, um, an heirloom variety of soybean. But um, but the, the type of beans that he's using for making like refried beans and uh, you know more traditional Mexican varieties were really, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with that. Um, yeah, so good. And it's so hard to get a plant-based protein grown in Japan. There just aren't any variety. Most of the soybeans are imported. Um, we just don't have a lot of vegan source material here. Uh, yes. So, yeah, getting the beans growing would be awesome. Right. Uh, let's go back to the house a little bit. It's such a big job. Mm -hmm. um, you've got, but you've got all these amazing things inside. Now, in this picture, are you mm -hmm. just taking out all the dirt? Inside? Yeah. Uh, well, because it was a storage shed, it had a lot of fertilizer and a lot of like broken up fertilizer bags that had just been sitting there for 10 or 20 years. Um, so we had to remove all of that. Some of those bags were broken. Um, there was a leak in the roof. So maybe some of the bags, uh, because their paper had just, I mean, really just fallen apart. So we had to scoop a lot of that out. Um, I, you know, wasn't sure what some of the material was. So it's one of those things where we, I had to bring in a neighbor to help me read some of the the kanji on some of these these uh, fertilizer bags and there's so much stuff that came out and there's so much stuff that actually can be reused i found a lot of old uh uh toolboxes uh, wooden toolboxes with a lot of really great tools inside um and some of the tools that some of the baskets like the citrus baskets that i think you've shown are still there and you know it's really um how do we avoid throwing some of these things out and and because there are they won't make these again. There's not a really about anybody that can make some of these uh, baskets here in Japan anymore. So um, I love those baskets. We, we have uh, uh, tried to keep as many as we can. And um, the ones that are in really bad shape, I've been bringing up to the hill and um, hanging in the some of those trees that in the area we've been clearing. And um, when I've got time, I'll, I'll, I'll play some Frisbee golf up there using those citrus baskets. So yeah that's uh i wonder if you could you could make like a a way to catch the fruit in and roll it into the basket with a netting oh, yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah maybe maybe putting down some you know some boards that would just as the fruit falls it kind of rolls down the hill hits the boards and rolls right into the basket so i've heard that's how the ume farmers do it i know in, i've seen i've area. seen where they'll take and shake the tree and i know they're using some of these uh technologies where they'll actually put like a like a tarp and they'll wrap that around the tree and then shake the tree uh, down for some of the nuts but i saw some videos of some new technology being applied in farms and it looked pretty aggressive way of harvesting uh some it citrus might damage damage the tree hey? yeah yeah. yeah. But these baskets for collecting the citrus are so gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did a lemon uh, farm experience the other day in the mm -hmm. Seto Naikai, and they gave us plastic baskets. I was a little bit disappointed because mm. I had seen yours and they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the farms, you know, um, they really wouldn't have kept a lot of those. I mean, the, the, the plastic containers are maybe more stackable, I guess. So it just more function there but you know um 
And, and it seems like every time I go to the clean center here in Makaishima, I see these baskets just being thrown away and sent to uh, the incinerator. So, oh, um, that's sad. It's, yeah, it's uh, and it's, these it's these are drying baskets as well. Like uh, I think actually those would have been used either as citrus um, as well. But then, I'll, if you've ever seen pictures of Japan from 100 years ago, 150 years ago, some of the paintings and actually some of the pictures, you'll see people with a wooden stick across their shoulders and they're carrying uh, a load on both sides. That's what those are for. And I've got some of those sticks here on the farm. And it makes, um, you know, before everyone had uh, a wheelbarrow, uh, you know, and now we've got an electric wheelbarrow, you know, so we're, we're getting really high tech. But, um, you know, this, uh, that's, what they, that's what they were doing to walk up and down the mountain. They were harvest vegetables and they would take them up and maybe carry them to some stream and wash them off and then bring them back home. Um, you could imagine, you know, how many daikon you could possibly fit on one basket on one side and the other one so you could yeah, maybe that's what they were using them for yeah um yeah. now you had an interesting uh car which was in the hillside farm that that you are trying to clear and right yeah, somebody has uh, decided to throw away or just leave their car abandoned in the hill you know instead of paying the money to throw it out um yeah they abandoned it and then they went and made a concrete uh, space for the grave. So now you can't get the car out of there, uh, maybe ever. I, I don't know what the, what the plan was. I don't think there was a plan, but yeah, maybe we could turn it into, as I mentioned, Frisbee golf. This could be, you know, the place where you come and pick up your Frisbees before you go in and, uh, and, and go into the forest to play Frisbee golf. Or it could be uh, a small chai shop, a bohemian uh, little tea shop up on the hill could be another option. We're, we're, th we're thinking of what, what we could do with it. but um, I love that yeah. idea. It's fantastic. Yeah. And you, you said about being the last samurai, you're like the last farmer in that area, right? In, in this area right now, yeah. And it's kind of a, a joke. I mean, but, you know, when I'm out farming here on the hill, there's not really a lot of people out, you know. I mean, you could imagine at one point there would have been so you know people growing food in and around um and the village but these days i think i'm one of the only people producing food for sale uh here on the farm here in this area in this village and um you know it's it's it, it's interesting i think to think like what the future could hold you know for this space and um you know going back to the building and what what we've thought my my uh my wife's family name is nisato which means uh uh, it, the kanji is new and village. So we hope uh, maybe this could be the new village or the start of the new village is the new property. And maybe it won't be like that. And, and I hope not. I hope not. But um, yeah, this is something we, we think about and we kind of joke about. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. The new creating the new village. Yeah, and you're yeah. expanding into the buildings and uh, providing a place for volunteers to sleep uh, who volunteer right. on the farm. Uh, you mentioned your your wife has her workshop, maybe right. moving into that area. Yeah, there's a lot more you can do now that you have those facilities, right? Right. Yeah, it was something we didn't have before. Um, we, you know, we took our house, which was a citrus storage shed, and we renovated that. But it really isn't a place to, um, you know, provide for people to stay. 
uh, up until now. But now with this new property, yeah, we have uh, several tatami spaces. We've actually got uh, a wolf woofer or volunteer coming this weekend um, from Friday evening, which will be great to have, you know, some extra hands on the farm. And we've set up a day on Saturday for people to come out and help us uh, put in uh, maybe the last fences uh, of uh, the hill side. We'll see. Um, but yeah. it's one of our last expansions. Um, so, yeah, we've got my, a group coming. My automatic translation on the Facebook alert said you wanted people to come and volunteer to climb fences. Was oh. the automatic translation? And I was like, that sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there might be some make, climbing. Maybe. There could be some yeah. climbing too. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we have some great comments. Enrique says, uh, when you planted your first plant, did you know that you would be doing it for years? Or was that just a love increase day by day? I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no real plan. I knew that I liked I liked it. I really liked this this hill. Um, you know, and really to be able to come out here and you know uh, I, I usually worked here after i taught english uh, at the elementary school so i would cycle over and plant potatoes with my with the neighbor here and yeah i really just got um kind of got addicted to it uh, uh and so little by little um yeah it's something i just grew to really enjoy it, not without its hardships and its losses and it, it can be tough uh, japan and nature in japan is a real um powerful force at times so um yeah we 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 definitely uh we definitely have picked picked it up though i think i'm showing and, the view in the evening yeah. as you're finishing your farm work this is from your instagram page mm. so how can you not love that view it's just yeah. amazing just on sunday on easter sunday was the uh f full moon full pink moon um and we get full moon uh rise uh, from this side because it's uh, east southeast facing so we get to see some really spectacular skies and uh we also get a, a really great sunrise so it's a, it's a good place to be um yeah uh, we have another comment from Davo's story time. Thanks for joining Dave. He says, I love the Frisbee golf or tea shop idea from the old car. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we got to do something with it, you know? Um, so Frisbee golf and it's, it's a, it's a sport activity that I, I really enjoyed uh, when I lived in the States. Um, and we kind of made up courses at the college that I uh, went until eventually we, we got into a little bit of trouble um, playing in the center of campus. So they, they ended up building us a course and that was something we did a lot, uh, after school. So, um, I I'd like to get some of the baskets up on the hill and, and have another, you know, another recreation activity, you know? Yeah. Wow. So. Fun. Uh, when I was on the lemon farm just this weekend, they said, do watch out where you're stepping because of the snakes. Right. So right. do, you, do you have hazards, natural hazards around your area too? Mm, we, you know, I, I think going into golden week is when I start to see some snakes and in the pathways now that we're doing more tours, I try to, uh, you know, keep up with the grass, um, just so the, where people are walking cause snakes, they like, they like to be in tall grass and, um, around, but 
Makaishima and this side of Makaishima, because we don't have a lot of water and we don't have a lot of um, we don't have any streams or creeks here, you don't see as many snakes. But they definitely um, they definitely are here. Uh, maybe in June they might go after the chicken eggs. So that's something we have to be careful about. Um, I think one time Cowdy reached in to uh, grab one of the eggs, and on the end of the egg was a was a snake. So. Um, Wow. She screamed, and I, I didn't know why she was screaming. I, I ran over and to see it. Sure enough, it was a. Uh, I think it was a, maybe a like a, a common like field snake. You know, not a rat snake, not a poisonous one. But they 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 can. Um, I think I saw Chuck had a post recently. He had a poisonous snake in his hand. I I don't know if it was alive or not. I don't know what. I didn't get the full story, but. Yeah. Yeah. They they're pretty scary. When I lived in she in uh, Shuzenji near the river, uh, I used to see those all the time, um, right by the river. So, I think they lived under my house too. So I was, yeah. It's now you scary. you're a sheep up there in the forest. Yep. Um, are they not bothered by snakes or? I, or I think one animals? one year a snake or maybe the, a um, what is it the. Uh, um, murder hornet, uh, oh, uh, Susumebachi. Yeah, mm. I think one one took a bite or a sting on the nose, and the face swelled up. Then I couldn't figure out what it was. But a few days went by, and it, it went down. So maybe, maybe they got into something over there. But um, yeah, it was it was. It was I, I had no idea. I couldn't explain why wow. all of a sudden the the front lip is, you know, swollen, double the size. So it's either a snake or, or a bee, but wow. they seem to be okay. Yeah. Now you, you have a variety of animals, but you really like the sheep. And yeah. I think the, the sheep is really interesting in how both you and Cowdy are able to use the wool for yeah. her business and the dyeing, um, as well as they eat all the weeds. Tell us, tell us about the sheep. You're going to shear them. Soon, well, we, right? Yeah, we just did two on uh, Saturday. We had uh, two uh, male and female that we did on Saturday. Um, the people from my uh, work came by um, and helped me shear on Saturday. And we got two done in about two or three hours. Um, then we, uh, yeah, we'll take the wool, either Cowdy's company, we'll, we'll wash it once. And then she can either dye it and we can hand spin it or we can do felting. So these are some of the things we're using. And right now, sp with spring, there are a lot of different variety of uh, uh, grasses growing on the farm. And so the sheep are our number one, um, you know, number one fan in terms of, you know, <laughs> eating something that's coming off the farm. They, they love any of these grasses that we have. Um, so they're a big part of that. And instead of taking the, those grasses and throwing them out or incinerating, which is often common, uh, here as well, or using some kind of herbicide. Yeah, the sheep love it, and they um, they took full advantage of it. And they they help us clear the land in the beginning too, you know. Um, and then they they then fertilize they through their manuring, they're providing that, and then we're able to go back through and start to think, okay, what can we grow next, um, either for them or for you know our customers, and what can we grow for. Um, and improve, you know, either new trees or new plants in the in the area. So yeah, it's it's really great. And because of that too, they because they clear, they also help to keep the wild boars out. 
uh, as well. Because once they've cleared that space, wild boars will be less likely to live in that space. We've, ha we've had to get rid of a lot of a wild boar nest in the last several years, um, which will come in and eat, you know, uh, pumpkins, sweet potatoes, and everything else on the farm. So um, we're using them that, in that way as well, which is really great. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting that you, you don't imagine sheep in Japan, but um, this is yeah. the felting that you're Yeah, this is the felting. Does. This is needle yeah, felting. Gorgeous. So, yeah, making uh, like a simple uh, brooch here, I think, is what uh, Kaori was making in the picture. And, yeah, you can do needle felting and you can also do um, the other felting to make either hats or maybe a vest or so some kind of clothing. Uh, you would take soap, uh, warm soapy water, and then just rub that with the wool. And a lot of the oils on the wool will start to break down and actually uh, mold over on on top of each other. And that's a way to make like uh, felt mats. And you could make also um, like a tawashi, some kind of cloth so you could clean. And then that could be, uh, once it's unusable, put it in the compost and it'll break down. Or you could actually use it as a, a mulch around your newly planted citrus trees, for example. So it's got multiple uses, um, which is really great, yeah. Yeah, it's great. So we just have about seven more minutes. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to touch on? Or what are your plans for going forward with the, the remodel? Like when do you expect you're gonna have something open that people can visit? Oh no, we lost Thomas. <laughs> Oh no, maybe his uh, battery died. Oh dear. Um, so thank you, Enrique, great comment. It's amazing, bro, oh, such a beautiful place, right? And Devo's story time, the wild boar loved pumpkin and sweet potatoes. They ravaged our batch last year, yeah. Um, but like Thomas was saying, the wild boar do also, as they're digging, that is good for the soil. Um, so that's another way nature is is helping to keep the soil healthy. Um, I'm hoping Thomas will get back on <laughs> and join us again in a minute, but that might be all for today. Um, it was wonderful to visit his farm. If you are in Onomichi area of Hiroshima, you should definitely get over there and visit. Um, I'll show you the website for Pitchfork Farms. And then we'll sign off. I'm sorry, we've lost Thomas. Um, you can find Pitchfork Farms on Facebook. And he and Cowdy, um, his partner, they often update their information on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, sounds like he's back. Are you back? Can you hear me? Yay, you're back. We thought we lost you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Oh. Well, I'm on the computer now. Okay, great. Yeah, Wonderful. sorry about that. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just asking you anything we didn't talk about, and then you left. Yeah. I thought it was just too difficult of a question. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to get back to the farm, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, right now we, you know, we 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 will continue to have. Um, different events on the farm. So please check out our either Facebook page or check out our website. Um, we are gonna be offering tours. Um, this year we were kind of limited to our markets um, just because of our work schedule. But yeah, we, we will continue. Um, and hopefully by fall, 
we can open up uh, to the new property. That's our, that's kind of what we've got in mind. So yeah, please check us out uh, either on our website, Facebook, Instagram, and um, you know, just to keep farming yeah, it's through the, through the summer, try to beat the heat somehow. Yeah. Do you think that your new idea of having the trees and the plants together, maybe not helping so much this year, but it will help in the coming years? Yeah, in, into the future. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we look forward to when this place really starts to fill out with some of these new trees that we've put in. Um, and, and I'm also experimenting with new varieties and not just citrus, but just so many types just to see what grows because these days, um, with the climate, we really don't know, um, you know, and in the greenhouse this year, I'm going to try, you know, uh, when they go on sale at, at the home center, I want to get maybe some bananas, some early maturing banana varieties, um, probably do some papayas again, you know, uh, give this place a little bit of a tropical feel because it certainly starts to feel like that come July and August. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're just going to see how, how things grow and yeah. So, uh, yeah. um, I saw your banana tree when I was there, I was yeah. surprised you could grow bananas. Well, yeah, it'll fruit and it'll flower, but to get a ripened fruit is, um, uh, is not possible with this variety, but they're constantly putting out new varieties. And some of the varieties I think that they put in the home center, uh, would allow you to um, maybe some dwarf varieties would allow you to actually get a fruit from the banana. And I was at the one of the local seed and um, plant shops today talking about avocados. So, but avocado trees are really expensive in Japan. Um, it's about 8,000 yen for one tree and you need two. So if you grow 10, you, you're going to need about Hachiman and, and I, I am trying to grow avocado every time I eat an avocado. I yeah. try to grow but that seed you, every yeah. single time. Never works. You, so you need, I don't know if you've seen, but if you take like a cup of water and you put some prongs in it and eventually yeah. it'll sprout. My neighbor, she sprouted three for me this past year really? and I put them in the ground just the other day. So um, I sprouted one over the years uh, like that. And yeah. then uh, it died the first winter. So maybe something that you can bring in or. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe put it in a pot and after about two years, but you know, depending on the area, um, I noticed that this year our neighbor uh, definitely had uh, some browning from the, on the leaves. So, but only partially. So she didn't lose it at all. And maybe as you think about where you plant it or where you put it, you know, putting it in a really warm space or possibly next to uh, some kind of insulated wall so that insulation will then radiate off. Or maybe for in our case, we might put it next to like a large tank of water because that will provide some, um, you know, insulation for the tree itself as it's starting to grow. But after a few years, they should um, be able to maintain themselves. Um, the two we, we, the three we put in this year, um, two out of three seem pretty good. And we put them next to one of our smaller greenhouses. So if we need to wrap it up or maybe even consider adding some, you know, insulation on it at some point, we might have to do that. So, yeah. Wow. That would be amazing to have avocados in my oh, monthly box. 
Yeah. I would recommend everybody sign up for one of Thomas's monthly boxes if you yes. live in Japan. Please uh, do. It looks like two or three thousand for a monthly box, and you can ship anywhere in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, going forward, we're going to be shipping uh, using Cool Bean. So yeah, um, but yeah, three. It's about three thousand yen. You can go upwards of five thousand yen for your box. So if you've got a larger family or you eat, you know, a pound of kale. Uh, every day uh, and i love how you wrap everything is that just for me everything in newspaper so classic we try to yeah we try to it it really depends on the on the customer and it depends on the the product too i've noticed that we were able to get some of these paper uh bags as well so we're going to start doing that but sometimes we, yeah we we're able to wrap a newspaper and um i i, I really am hoping to find more links and more uh, products. I know with tomatoes this year, I really want to get some, uh, like some kind of uh, paper container that we can put the tomatoes in. Um, so that's one thing I, I need to be looking at right now because pretty soon we'll be harvesting tomatoes too. So. Oh, can't yeah. wait for my next box. You also hinted there might be some shiitake in my next box. I love shiitake. Yes. I need to I need to check check the logs and I think yeah we'll be able to send those out. Awesome. Awesome. We got some great comments here at the end. Uh Jeannie says uh if she's in Hiroshima can she look you up? Uh yes, you can. Uh, so and if you want to come do a visit at the farm, you can book that online. That's fine. Uh or you can send us a message directly if you want to spend and typically our tours run about an hour hour and a half and they include some produce. Um, and if you're interested in staying and doing some volunteers on the day, uh, volunteer work on the day, then, um, you know, we wouldn't charge for the tour and we just, uh, if you can lend a hand and help us feed our sheep, <laughs> that's, that's all we ask. Yeah. So you can find, uh, Pitchfork Farms on Instagram, on Facebook, and you also have a YouTube channel, don't you? Mm. No. Uh, my wife does. My wife has had, uh, yeah, uh, she Uraraka Shima Gurashi. So you can, she did that up until uh, just this past year. And she's got, I think, about 10 to 15 videos um, in Japanese uploaded. And uh, some of them focus on the farm. But the again, that theme, that Ishokuju clothing, food, shelter uh, theme. Um, is really a big part of her presentation. So check that out. That would be great. Yeah, awesome. Enrique says, thanks, Thomas. It was amazing to know your history. I hope to visit you in the future. Thanks, JJ, for connecting us with amazing people. I really love making new friends. Awesome, Enrique, thank you. Uh, Dave says he wants to sign up for your monthly box. Awesome, yeah. Dave. Please, please do. Yeah. That's a great way to get some stable support, right, as a farmer? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, we've mostly, um, because nowadays with markets, you know, being kind of up in the air, sometimes they just get canceled suddenly. And we've, you know, put the work in already. We've ordered the seeds, we've ordered the fertilizer. So yeah, getting that kind of support is really great. Um, it's, it's most of um, what supports the farm and continues, allows us to continue the activities we're trying to do into the future. So uh, any any support there would be amazing um 
Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. There's so much that you're doing, of course, so important for sustainability. We need more farmers in general, but we need more farmers who think like you in such a regenerative, circular way. So thank you for everything you're doing. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks, you know, uh, for sharing our story with so many people. I think it's been really great. So thank you. And uh, yeah, see you again soon. Yeah, I can't wait to come and visit and uh, help on the farm when I can. Yeah, see you. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Take care. See you next time. I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder.